Welcome back to the non-standard 14er podcast, the podcast that tells you everything the root description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14ers. I'm joined again by the Jacks. The Jacks. <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's hey, Chaser Jack. It's Tay Jack. In this episode of the non-standard 14er podcast, we're talking about a 14er down in the San Juan regions that is in the Handies group. Today's episode of the podcast will be talking about our experience climbing Red Cloud Peak. The peak is 10 miles outside of Lake City, Colorado. It's about a mile away from Sunshine Peak, and I think about five miles away from Handy's Peak. So when did you do it? How'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Where'd you do it? When'd you do it? <laughs> Where did we do it? <laughs> Same place as everyone else. We did it um, last summer. We were gonna. We did uh, Sunshine and Red Cloud together, and then we made an attempt on Handy's the next day and uh, got chased down by lightning from about 13.5. We stayed at the trailhead in the truck. Don't tell anyone. The Silver Creek. Yeah. Grizzly Gulch or whatever trailhead. So. I don't know that they have formal camping allowed there, but we just slept in the truck and then got a nice early alpine start and then uh, hit, hit sunshine via Red Cloud. And it was honestly one of my one of my favorites of that sort of class one, class two category. And then you tried Handy's the next day from the different trailhead, the American Basin trailhead? Correct, yeah. Which was absolutely spectacular. Amazing. Yeah. I thought, you know, when we first pulled up and we decided to camp in the truck at the trailhead, there was a lot of really good dispersed camping up as you go towards the American Basin, uh, just past that, which we didn't know at which the time. Which would have been nice to know at the yeah. time. We were like, what's just up around the curve? And we weren't sure, but lo and behold, if you take that road the whole way, we'll there's talk about so, this later, it goes all the way to Silverton, so there's stuff everywhere. Yeah, and a lot of really cool campsites, so I kind of wish we would have known that go, you know, going into it, but yeah, sleeping in the truck the night before was no big deal. The other thing I would advise against is if it's your first time on that road driving in in the middle of the night by dark, because it has that kind of weird shelf road that I didn't realize it was so sheer until the next day when we were driving back down. And I'm like, oh, my word, someone's passing us coming down. Remember that? And the guy, like, dropped one of his front tires, <laughs> his front wheels off the edge. We didn't realize how serious it was until the next day when we were driving back down. We're like, holy cow, don't drive up this in the dark next time. Remember that? That's above That's... the Mill Creek campground. Yeah. So you go out that, it's you take 149 like you're going to Slumgullion Pass, basically going to Creed from Lake City, and you turn off to the Lake San Cristobal um, turn off, and then... I realized I didn't have any service there after I got off that turnoff, and I was trying to find the Mill Creek Campground, which is an amazing campground. And so you didn't camp at the Mill Creek Campground. You kept on gro- going a couple miles past. We did, and then the second night we stayed at the Mill Creek to try and hit Handy's the next day. Just because it was so crowded, we're like, okay, we'll go down, we'll buy a spot at the Mill Creek Campground, and then we'll continue looking around, and we didn't find anything. So we ended up that second night sleeping at, at Mill Creek Um what a cool campsite, though. We loved it. Super pretty. Lots of room. Nice, quiet sites. I'd, I'd spend... Isn't that where they do the fall gathering every year, too? The last several years have been... Because you have access to Wetterhorn, Uncle Pagre, Handies, Red Cloud, Sunshine. Um, yeah, a lot of people go down there in September, October. Um, spend two days. Someone makes someone locally there makes a bunch of chili and cornbread. Pretty campsite. You just throw your seven bucks or whatever in the envelope, right? Yeah, and it has yeah. that r- river that runs right by a lot of the sites, which is cool. One thing, too, is to, to keep in mind is that they are kind of strict about dogs at the Mill Creek, we found out. That kind of was a bummer for us. Was but, there a camp stewardess or, or yeah. whatever yeah. you call them? Yeah. 
Huh. Super sweet about it, but, you know. Just always on rules. leash. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere. So. That's the same with the one in Creed, too. They're all like that. Yeah. yeah they're, all, the... they're all like that. It's like, well, we drove four hours to leash <laughs> our dog up. Was it four? To Creed? From. Something like that. No, I mean, how do you die? How far to Lake City? Oh, geez. From everything? Five, five and a half? Yeah, probably. Because you got to go 285 over Monarch Pass through Gunnison and then turn off by the reservoir there and head south. Nice part is if you go there on a holiday weekend, you're not sitting in I-70 traffic. You're just buzzing on 285 the whole way. So it's a pretty drive. We we really enjoyed that. So take us up the standard route. It's the standard route is up the northwest ridge from that Silver Creek Grizzly Gulch trailhead. Eight, eight and a half or so round trip miles, a 3,600 feet of elevation gain. The first section's a little head down steep just kind of stares up that tree up that treed area and then you hit sort of the uh, right at tree line where it starts to kind of flatten out and there was those big boulders that you followed along the big boulders and there was those weird halloween trees a couple of them yeah and then you run up, up silver creek there follow the i remember just keep on looking back because then you're straight across the basin that is handies yeah beautiful view of handies yeah across right the basin you. Yeah, right behind you. And there's a, uh, yeah, kind of follow that boulder field up and then wrap around. And then you just start those switchbacks right up and uh, up the ridge. If you hit that basin at sunrise, it's one of the most spectacular views, I think. Like the San Juans are just like otherworldly. And that whole landscape up there is like Mars. Like there's a reason that they call Red Cloud, Red Cloud. It's just barren and red and just, it's, it's incredible. And then you get views of... Waterhorn and Uncompagre, and I think you can even see over to the Wilson group once you sort of gain that ridge going up. It's spectacular. Yeah. And that basin's really mellow, too. Once you get up tree line, it's a, a grassy little basin with a dirt trail the whole way. I mean, it's, Yeah, class one trail the whole summit, right? I mean, it's yeah. really, yeah, a really pretty walk. Really gentle, too. Once you, once you get past that steep part in the trees, gaining red cloud, sort of the summit push for red cloud is a... You, you break a sweat for sure, but it's nothing too crazy. Not really even much scree or anything like that. It's kind of just dirt. It would be a great, if it was by Denver, it would be hiked more than Grays, I We've think. We've talked about that. It would be Grays and Tories if it was closer to Denver. And I think a thousand times more beautiful. Not because of the mountain itself. You know, if you look down at your feet, it looks like you're in Elk Meadow open space or something. But when you look up and look around the views that you take in, it's nice that it's not a technical trail because then you can kind of not watch your feet and look around. That's a great point. And the views are 10 out of 10. It's amazing. Yeah. And you know, when you come out of the basin and you do gain that ridge where you start to see Uncompadre and how pretty that ridge is with the uh, stripes, it's almost got like different colors all over the ridge. It's super colorful mountain. It's, it's really neat. Yeah. And so you did sunshine the same day. Sunshine's about mile point, 1.3 away from Red Cloud. Really easy traverse across the saddle there you actually do it like almost like a big banana i mean basically the whole route is just a big right word banana and then sunshine is even further around the banana and actually sunshine is actually really close to that mill creek campground as the crow, as the crow flies. flies yeah it yeah. is definitely yeah you feel like you could like throw a rock off the summit and hit mill creek like it's it's steep but somebody told us that route is closed is that not the case I think it might, Sean did that, but I think it might be a little more bushwhacking. It okay. might be similar to like the trail that's dying um, in the backside of Tab Watch. Great trail, by the way. Did the backside? Yeah. yeah, we did. 
Yeah, I loved Sunshine. I thought linking it together with Red Cloud was uh, not that much more difficult, and it was a ton of bang for your buck. And uh, is that is that the one where on the saddle between the two they were saying don't like bail down? Yeah, that's the one. Yes. Like, don't bail off the west ridge. There's west all these signs. It's like you will die. <laughs> you can almost you can like see where you came up. Yes. Otherwise, you gotta go like all the way around. And it looks like a really easy descent that would well, go right. That would shortcut a lot of the uh, reclimbing re- Red Cloud. It's um, a little bit longer than it looks because it is kind of a moonscape. Like it's like, oh, we'll be there in five minutes. It actually takes like eh, probably over a half hour, close to forty minutes. And if you're like in any sort of weather or anything, that's one that's. It's not like Grays and Tories where you can basically just whoop up one and down the other. It's a little longer, and if you're in any sort of weather, I can see how it would be really tempting to bail down that saddle and go down there. I personally have never done it. We kind of had a little bit of that. We got hit by some snow, actually, in August or something, which was kind of crazy, and some thunder snow. But we stayed on the main ridge because that, that sign and everything we read told us not to bail down that saddle. But people have done it. I guess you just got to be careful not to get cliffed out. I don't know. What's the risk on that? Do you know? Descent. I think it's loose and a little okay. bit of cliffing out. I think it's all, I think it's a lot of just loose rock. We ran into a guy. So we, we camped in 2015. We did it over July 4th. So July 3rd, we went up, camped in Mill Creek, drove up, did Red Cloud, went over to Sunshine. Looked like it was the storms were rolling in, and someone was coming from Red Cloud that was trying to get Sunshine and go back. And so we told him, hey, there is a ridge to bail out on the backside of Sunshine. Sure. You can just fall down. And it would get you to the Mill Creek campground. You'd still be, I don't know how many miles from Mill Creek to the Grizzly Gulch Trailhead, Silver Creek Trailhead. So we told him, hey, we'll, we have a blue Jeep. If you do get in thunderstorms, just drop that side. Yeah. And then see us in Mill Creek. We'll drive you back up. That was you nice. Never saw him. That's cool. But it's really close if you, if you, look, if you look on the map. it would be a fun way to do it. From make a circle? From Mill Creek. Yeah, make a circle. That'd be fun, too. Yeah, because it does get a little long when you summit uh sunshine and then you have to go back if you shuttled go back over it's, you had two cars long. shuttle up shuttling would be fun take a car to silver creek silver creek start do red cloud do sunshine drop down to mill creek and then drive back up and get the car you need two cars to do that super dog friendly 14er as well we saw a lot of dogs on it i think every party we saw had a dog samson our dog met a a little greyhound rescue dog at the top. They fell in love oh, yeah. with a little homemade jacket. Yeah, I remember that. Super, yeah, super, super gentle trail, super friendly for dogs, easy on the paws. Mm-hmm. We did it, let's see, July 4th, then we went back to Lake City then, and they shoot fireworks over that uh, water tower where they, same place where we ice, where we ice climbed, right? Oh, cool, yeah. That'd be fun. Can you see it from the mountain? We saw, we were on handies and they did the flyover. So they do like a, uh, I don't know, Air Force flyover at, at like noon on oh, July wow. 4th for Lake City. And we were on the summit of handies and saw the flyover. And they buzzed you? Like, oh, yeah. super cool. That's cool. American Basin, all right. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> wow, so I was looking cool. at the, the list of largest crowds on a 14er. What do you think has the largest crowd on this list? Not Sunshine. I would think maybe Evans because you can drive it. Beerstadt. Beerstadt is second on the list after Grays. After Grays, yeah. Oh. Grays, Beerstadt, 
Quandry, then Tories. No, so, not Evans? I'm surprised. So there are a lot of people then presumably that climb Grays and don't do Tories. Looks like it. So that, those are the large crowd groups. Large crowd groups, the Ducalibron, Mount Evans, Pikes, Longs, and uh, Belford. Belford. Not Oxford. That's interesting. Moderate crowd group, you have Massive, Huron, Yale, Shivano, a lot of the um, Sawatch Range 14ers. And they have handies on the moderate crowd group. And then the not usually crowded group, I got this on the website, is indeed Sunlight, um, all those ones, Calubra, El Diente, North Aeolus. So where, where's ours? Where's Red Sunlight? Cloud is on the very bottom of the moderately crowded group. But why? It's one of the easiest remoteness, right? It has been. It's a, it's a really divisive mountain. We have friends that think it's the most boring 14er out of all of them. I personally think it's one of my, it's my favorite class one 14 or it's a class two whatever, just purely not because of the mountain but because of the views, but the mountain itself is boring. But it's really divisive. There are people that hate it. I don't know. What do you guys think? It's it's not memorable. It's just a, I mean I can't tell you even the sections of it. I mean you go through tree line, you see some of those boulders, you walk by the creek, and then you make kind of a banana turn, and then you're on the summit. It's the views of Handies that I think make it really memorable. One of the things I really liked about uh, those two are, like you guys said, it's everything around the yeah. peaks that make it so special. And not just the views, but also you have to make it a destination if you're coming from Denver. You really have to make a weekend out of it or a bigger trip out of it. And there's so many neat little towns right around there that make those 14ers more special than just, like you said, if it's, you know, Grays and Tories just off the road on I-70, it's not nearly as special as what Sunshine and Red Cloud have to offer. That's a great point. It kind of forces you into making a trip out of it rather than a weekend, hit it and quit it, Grays and Tories. Like the climb itself is way less interesting, I think, than Grays and Tories, which to me is pretty boring, unless you're doing Kelso Ridge or something. But the, it's it's the fact that it makes a trip out of it, and it forced us to have a camping trip. And then when we got rained out on Handys, we decided to just get in the truck and drive over Cinnamon Pass and have dinner in Silverton. And it was a blast. And it was like one of my favorite memories of last season was just doing was that trip. And it wasn't because of the mountain itself; it was because of the the things that we did because that mountain gave us an excuse to get to that part of the state. Exactly. So it drops. So Cinnamon Pass drops drops from. Lake City to Silverton. Yeah. And then where, what other passes are around there? Well, let, let's talk about Cinnamon Pass because okay. I really, really enjoyed that. And we just did that on a whim. Didn't Kind of silly, so don't do what we did. But didn't research it, didn't anything. We're just like, okay, no cell coverage, it's raining. Let's just go. Let's see where this road goes. We drove all the way up. Past Red Cloud. Past okay. Red Cloud, past American Basin. Okay. This is wild. It's the highest address in the lower 48, elevation-wise, and there's a sweet house. It's, like, full-on, like, A-frame, beautiful, runs on generators, but it looks like something out of, like, Wash Park. It's the coolest house, and it sits up at, like, 13.5 or something, like, way above treeline. It's super huh. high, and it's for sale for, like, 530000 And it looks, summer. yeah, it looks across at American Basin, so you can kind yeah. of see American Basin, and then you can sort of... Uh, get the other 14ers in the view. It is out, a really cool house. Out the A-frame windows, these floor-to-ceiling windows, you look at American Basin, I'm like, man, if I was an author or like yeah. <laughs> something where I could be a hermit, I would live there full-time. So fell in love with that house. Look yeah. it up. It's super cool. Google the highest address in the lower 48. 
May still be for sale. If anyone wants to go in on it with me, let me know. You said you, you passed the UPS truck up there? Yes! Yeah. We did! Were you joking? There's that was a, a joke. There, no, no, there's a UPS there's truck actually, up there. actually, yeah. With, like, knobby, like, mud train tires. That's sick. And he was hauling ass, too. Okay, so we get to the top of Cinnamon Pass, and there's this guy from Georgia... Uh, so the next in, in his uh in his like really modified Jeep and I'm like hey, You're in what you're in your truck. Yeah, I'm in my truck. Pretty high so clearance truck. High clearance leveled with thirty threes, it's pretty capable, but it's Look at my Jeep makes him pass. No. Maybe. Maybe I, there are yeah, people in low. Subarus that did it. Okay. But kinda of beat the crap out of your Subaru. But that's the question. I'm like, okay, I see all these modified vehicles. Like, I don't have quite the turning radius. He's like, nah, man, just follow me. You can do it. You got to this point. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just wing it. So it was kind of a cool, like, firsthand experience. Like, we didn't read any guidebooks. I had no idea about this road. Actually passed a guy in another truck that got a flat tire up there, so that made us nervous. So there are some sharp rocks and stuff, but there are people that did it in Subarus. Any stock SUV can do it, but... It's it's just steep. It's not like sheer or anything like that, but it's just that beautiful red dirt that it kind of like is that red clouds comprised of is just everywhere. And you kind of weave down into the valley and Engineer Pass goes up to the right and then it dumps you in Silverton and it's what 17 miles point to point or something like that. I mean, it was And how many hours? 3 hours each direction from Mill Creek maybe, but we oh, had really nothing that long. else to do. We had nothing else to do. So. But I mean, it's not how many miles. 17. That's it. 20 okay. It's not yeah. very long. Okay. Each direction. I always get, I ask you this every time. Where? What's the pass that goes by Wetterhorn and Uncle Pagre then? Isn't that Cinnamon Pass? Imogene? Is that Imogene? Uh, it could be Imogene. This is why I always get these confused. Maybe it's yeah. Imogene, because it was Imogene Pass we were hiking on when we were doing the ice climbing in your way. That road that keeps going on to Wetterhorn and Uncle Pagre. Or is that Engineer? Yankee Boy or Engineer, there's a loop you can do that's like the classic Alpine loop. Cinnamon Pass is the the second highest drivable pass in the state, and you can do you can loop that into Engineer, and it's like a full day. They call it the classic Alpine loop, but I'm I'm not quite sure. I don't know. It could be Engineer Pass. Um, so then which like one Joe goes Rogan to... podcast? Jamie, look that look up. Pull yeah, that up, I'm trying. Pull that up, Jamie. Where is Imogene? I think Imogene's the one in Telluride. It comes down in Telluride, and it's like not very advanced driving, but it's uh, the one that's got like sheer drop-offs. Yeah. Then which one goes by the Bridal Veil? Imogene and Black Bear. So Black Bear is that one way that zigzags down. That's like you got to have a really tight turning radius to do it. Okay, the old Wikipedia says Imogene Pass connects Uray with Telluride. Yeah. So halfway through the podcast, we are joined by another guest to the Non-Standard 14ers podcast by the name of Uncle Kunkel. How's everybody doing tonight? So we are just talking about all the mountain passes there by Lake City, Uray, Telluride, and Creed. You're right, Imogene, I'm pulling up a photo here. Imogene goes from Uray to Telluride. Black Bear then goes out of Telluride. And then Red Mountain Pass is the one that goes to between Silverton and uh, what, you're, you're at Durango? I believe so, yeah. What's the one that goes from uh, Creed over to uh, Lake City? Slumgullion. Oh, yeah, Slumgullion that's right. Pass. Oh, that does look like Mars-like. That's an enhanced yeah, photo, though, right? Up a picture. Wow. No, it's not. That's no filter. Pulling up a picture on the ridge between uh, Sunshine and Red Cloud, and it looks like Mars. No exaggeration. Pretty cool. If you haven't been there, go see it. So take us. keep taking us up that Cinnamon Pass Cinnamon Pass was fun, and we, it started snowing once we got down into Silverton. We had a great dinner, and then we're like, holy crap, can we get back over? Because we've got, like, what we should have done was packed up the truck and just done, like, a one-way thing and gone out that way. 
But we're like, okay, we have to drive three more hours and get back to Mill Creek campsite. Oh, you left your tent. Oh. Yeah, because we didn't know how. Going we to didn't know how. For dinner, and then this guy from Georgia and his Jeep was like, yeah, follow me. You'll be fine. So <laughs> Which we were. Yeah, we, we were. were fine. And we went to a place. We, we even asked him, we're like, where should we go for dinner? This guy was like a saint. He was our guardian angel. He's like, oh, do you want like a, like a, you got to go to Handlebars, but you got to order a shot of whiskey when you go there every time. So we went to this place called Handlebars, and it is kind of that like dive bar type of feel, but incredible food. You do kind of feel obligated to get a shot of whiskey because it's like an Old West type saloon. Got a bunch of animals on the wall. Animal has really, really good food, though. Worth the trip out just to eat there. So that's such a cool town. Super cool town. What were you about to say when we were talking about the Georgia guy? Nothing. But then we turned around, and it was snowing, and the roads were wet. We we still made it up okay, but it was, uh, man, it's beautiful. It's, it's a great drive. We spent July 4th there two summers ago. Uncle Conkle and I in Silverton, because we came out of the Chicago Basin that uh, July 4th. That's right, we did. Went to a brewery. I think Silverton might be one of, like my favorite town in Colorado. It's so charming. It's so <clears throat> canyony, though. It's like in the yeah pass. But the the mountains around it are so unique. Like you look down, and it, some of it looks like Norway, just like really tall, dramatic. He says it every mountains. every podcast. I do. <laughs> every podcast. You think I like Norway? Or something. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't know. Anytime there's like maybe when we were there, it was like really green and really wet and like. It was very pretty. And, oh, here's the other thing. Driving down Cinnamon Pass, there's a house way up on the ridge. It's like a zombie apocalypse house. And this Georgia guy was super into it. He was like, there's a zombie apocalypse. He like pulled over to point it out to me. He's like, there's a zombie apocalypse. You should find me up there. <laughs> but it was like this really beautiful, like actual home, not just a cabin, on top of a ridge at like 13,000 feet across the valley with like a driveway all the way across. I don't know how you get as a zoning permit to build a house up there but it's like one of the coolest it's perched up on top of this ridge above this box canyon and there's a bunch of them like if you look closely you kind of see these little houses like that which also reminds me of norway <laughs> <laughs> up in the rocks <laughs> somebody stop him <laughs> when was red cloud first climbed and by whom was it first climbed by it was first climbed by J.C. Spiller in 1874. Hmm. 1874 is also the same exact year that five people were found dead with their hat- heads hatcheted in and eaten right near Red, Red, Red Cloud. Was this guy running from whoever hatcheted those heads? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? I think that Red Cloud weird. was cl- first climbed exact, like months apart from and like 10 miles away from where... Um, Alfred Packer, the Alfred Packer Memorial uh, Massacre site is right beside Lake San Cristobal there on uh, Slumgall on 149. So you're telling me that there are people eating each other for survival, <laughs> and 10 miles away there's a guy climbing a mountain for fun. Well, me, so sit <laughs> back. Probably not at the same time. Maybe the thin months, you know. Let me tell you some local Colorado lore. So when is when is the gold rush? History, history. 49. No. 18. 1863. Well, why are they called the 49ers? Oh, I don't know. No, the, that was the... California Gold Rush. California Gold yeah, Rush. Yeah, 1849. Okay, okay. When was then... There was a silver a silver rush and a gold rush in Colorado 10 years later. Yeah. So it was like 1859-ish, 58, is when you rush. see... Yeah. <laughs> when you see a lot of people flooding to Colorado, uh, this is when the famous Pikes Peak or bust signs from, from legend. So... 
there is a Denver Tribune article in October 1873, so we're a year before Spiller climbed Red Cloud. In 1873, Denver Tribune article says it's called the Silvery San Juans, and there was a, a article about the you know silver mines and the wealth of silver that can be found in the San Juan Mountains. This article is published throughout the Southwest, and it's picked up by a paper in Salt Lake City where a 31-year-old drifter is sitting in South Salt Lake in the current town of Sandy, reads this and says, the silver load surpasses the Comstock load of Nevada in richness. Mm. This person reading this article in October 1873 has a tattoo that he got when he was 19 that says, 2nd Battalion, 6th Inf Infantry, and his name is misspelled on his own tattoo. His name <laughs> is spelled A-L-F-E-R. R-D-P-A-C-K-E-R. -E Alfred Packer. I thought that's how it is if you, like, Google it. Alfred. Yeah, that's Alfred how I was goofed Packer. up. I didn't know it was Alfred or Alfred. He spelled his own name wrong on his tattoo. His birth certificate says Fred, Alfred. It's <laughs> Alfred on his tattoo. <laughs> so, Alfred Packer, born in western Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, like I, like I am, I was. He's was discharged from the Civil War because he, he suffered from grand mal epilepsy. Wow. So he's, he was discharged from two different battalions. Then he starts to move out west after the Civil War and gets a job mining in Breckenridge where he was a jackwhacker. A jackwhacker. You know what a jackwhacker is? There's, there's some really good mining I think it's the names. guy that um, holds the, the drill bit, so to speak. Isn't it? It's <laughs> actually the guy that led mules, to, the supplies on the, on the mules and the donkeys up, oh. up to the mines. Close. So he's working in the mines. He actually lost two fingers, two, two half fingers. They don't know what fingers on his left hand, but it's one of the, the identifying marks that he later gets found when he is on a lamb in Wyoming because he was missing those two fingers. Well, do we actually know what the packer looked like? No. <laughs> he, he was missing two of half, two fingers. Is the Packer any different than the Shocker? He's just the Rocker. At least two. Could be. <laughs> Could be the Rocker. You know, the, or the Spocker. The, <laughs> or the Showstopper. Good it, thing people can't see that gesture. Yeah, I was going to say, insert crude gesture here. This discussion, Mr. Karen, we're way off trail. We're on the wrong path, the talk is starting to derail. The convo is now in the wrong basin, and we're totally off route. So let's get it back to the mountain that this podcast is all about. <laughs> okay, so this 31-year-old is in Utah, dreaming of riches, and he decides to throw in with 21 men leave, leaving from Salt Lake area to get to Breckenridge to do some mining and find some of that silver uh, or gold in uh, Breckenridge. 21 men leave Provo area, Utah, head over toward Colorado Territory. Now we're talking 1873. What's the nickname for Colorado? The Centennial, Centennial State. Why? Because 1876 is when it became a state. 1876, right? So we're three years before it's a state. Colorado became a state, right? So right. it's still a Colorado Territory. Yep. They're heading over in 1873. Okay. They run into a bunch of Ute Indians outside of current-day Montrose. And they run into Chief Ure in January. Ure says, hey, there's a terrible storm. There's no way you can make it over the San Juan Mountains to Breckenridge until after April. Let's just wait to the spring thaw. Don't go, try to go over the mountains. Smart guy. But they did not listen. Anyone know what Ure stands for? Ure idiot. 
We're going this way. <laughs> I think it's you nodded to the, on a, the Sneffels podcast when you said your Ray or my Ray or Switzerland. Oh, yeah. I thought we asked the, the Switzerland of. Uh, <laughs> your Ray, the, the biography of Alfred Packer that I'm reading says your Ray actually doesn't mean anything. Some people claim it means. <laughs> 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 nah, dude. Nah, dude. It means nothing. No, it says actually your Ray himself reportedly said that. Uray was Uray was the first bit of gibberish he spoke as a child, oh. and so that's why I call him Uray. Uray. <laughs> Seriously, right. it's a good piece of trivia. All right, so 21 people left Utah, including Alfred Packer. Alfred Packer had been to Colorado Territory, so he kind of um, masqueraded himself as a guide and kind of suckered his way into this group. Didn't have really much money. 21 guys get to the Montrose. Most of them stay with the Utes and wait till spring, except five people. A group comprised of Shannon Wilson Bell, James Humphrey, Frank Reddy Miller, George California Noon, and Israel Swan. Yum. One was 60, one was about 16. Some tender meat. So they're trying to get to Breckenridge. The one that got eaten first, the Which 16 one? year old? Probably, I would. It's veal, you know? <laughs> I think, well, it, it, that's the debate of who, who ate first and who died. And we think the oldest one died first. He succumbed to the starvation quicker because he's a lot older. Huh. So January, they leave Montrose against the, the um, suggestion of Chief Uray. Alfred Packer arrives in the Los Pinos Indian Agency near Gunnison, April 16th, 1874, by himself. He walks in there disheveled, long, mangy hair, beard, with a Winchester rifle, a coffee pot with a couple of live coals in it to start of the next fire as he's kind of moving through. The same day, actually, some of the people from the 21-person group actually arrived at the same Los Pinos agency. They waited until April and then left from Montrose and came over and basically Packer beat him by a couple of hours. What a coincidence. Wow. So what happens to the other five members of Packer's party? Was it, uh, maybe you'll get to this, but wasn't the rifle one of the things that gave it away? That was when he also he had also had a lot of money on him, and those 21 people remembered him traveling from Utah, always asking about money and never having any. So he had someone's skinning knife, I think, and he had someone's Winchester rifle. Do you think he skinned them with their own skinning knife? It might, maybe. Absolutely. I'm just going to ask all the more questions. <laughs> right. It's an interesting story. So, so he then tries to get to Sawatch, which is another U word, which actually doesn't mean anything. It's a shortened word from so <laughs> we first words as a baby. Yeah, so watch your word. I can't even say this because it's you know that's how Lady Gaga it's got so her. watch a watch a cheapa or something like that which means water at the blue earth it's a ute word and so a shortened version so watch really doesn't mean anything okay but, all right how do you so all these people the 21 member group from Utah are suspicious I mean, where are the other five people his original story he said that he got snow blind in the middle of the winter, and he lost his shoes and got lost, and he was abandoned by the other four. And so that was his original story. That uh, gets him out of the Los Pinos agency and heads to Sawatch. And there he's throwing around a bunch of money, which modern day was like a couple thousand dollars. He's gambling, drinking, lending people money, which makes people suspicious, right? They basically get who I think Adams County is named after, General Adams. Go over to him and says, hey, we need to know what happened to those other five people. Why do you have what's-his-name's rifle? Why do you have what's-his-name's skinning knife? Why do you have so much money? He tells another story 
that's different than the first story. It talks about how um, I think Bell he claimed was the one that killed someone first, and then someone died, and they take turns eating the one, and then someone else died, and he take turns eating that person, and then they slowly took turns eating each other until it was finally Packer and uh, Bell left. And Bell came after Packer with his gun, and supposedly Packer shot him, he said, and then he was the only one to survive. And he did it, he did admit to cannibalism. So they say, okay, take, take us to the massacre site. And so they take him over Slumgullion Pass, and he gets close to Lake St. Cristobal, and he starts to pretend like he didn't know where he was. And he basically said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know where they, I don't know where these people are. And he, he heads back to Sawatch. So they jail him in, like, a very crude jail in Sawatch, and he ends up escaping. He escapes, and he's on the land for nine years, running around your home state, Richard Gunkel, of Wyoming. God's country. God's country. <laughs> he changes his name to John Swartz and is living around the log cabin around Wyoming. Until nine years later, one of the original men from the 21 group from Salt Lake is in a bar up near Fort Fetter Fetterman? Is it a place? Fort Fetterman, yeah. Fort Fetterman at a roadhouse. He's sitting there at a bar, and he hears this guy with a very unique, squeaky, high-pitched voice. <sighs> and he recognizes the guy because he's, he's missing his two fingers, the, the Packer fingers on his, <laughs> on his left hand. And so they, they call the sheriff or whatever, and they end up arresting Packer there. And they bring him back, and they try him in Lake City, Colorado. The papers identified him as the human hyena. Oh. All right, so then in the summer of 1974... So about the same time, I'm sure J.C. Spiller was climbing Red Cloud for the first time, the victims of the body were found by a guy by the name of Hotchkiss, which you might know is a small town um, somewhere in that area of, of western Colorado. Hotchkiss strikes gold. I'm sorry. Hot, hot, they also strike gold right near Silver, uh, right near Lake City. And so in 1874, that's why one of the beers in Lake City Brewing is called the 1874. That's when Lake City was, was founded. A kind of a silver rush. So the town of Lake City started in 1874. Then this is the part of the story where I take a diversion. We jump back till 1875 into Denver, and we talk about a grisly murder by an Italian guy named Galati. So there's apparently this crazy murder where this guy murdered four 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 boys, four males, and let them like rot. So bad that people were smelling it in Denver and eventually found it like underneath his kitchen. There were like these four bodies rotting. And this this Italian guy escapes, runs down to his house, and they arrest him. The point of the story is, though, he's being on trial. In 1868, Colorado Territory put on the books the murder penalty. 1870, they replace, they change that law and they say that there is a death penalty by hanging if you can if the jury can prove that it's premeditated. The jury can prove the murder was premeditated. You can get the, you know, the killing was deliberate or premeditated. You can give them the death penalty by hanging in 1870. Okay? This guy, Galati, murders these people in 1875. His lawyer says, you're going to hang. But the law says the jury has to prove it was premeditated. So if you plead guilty, you will not, you avoid a jury trial. And therefore, you will avoid the death penalty because a jury cannot prove it's premeditated. Sure. So in a loophole in how they wrote the law in 1870, allowed this guy to basically avoid the gallows. So he just sentenced him for life or what? Right. 
Okay. The Colorado legislature, the Colorado becomes a state in 1876, and the legislature in 1881. So we're now eight years ahead of Packer's supposedly massacre. The legislature rewrites the 1870 law to correct this, so they can't do the loophole anymore, where you just avoid a jury trial and you can still get the death penalty. But they didn't include a savings clause. What's a savings clause, Rich? So a savings clause basically is a catch-all provision that that says if any one part, typically they're used in contracts, but if any one part is deemed uh, invalid, that's the only part that's invalid. The rest of whatever it is, whether it's a statute or whatever, still it applies and is valid, enforceable, and what have you. So with no savings clause, they say the 1870 law is all gone. Right. So therefore, Packer's lawyer says, hey, you're, tra- you're trying Packer for the death of Israel Swan in 1873. There was no death penalty between 1870, and then you can't try Packer for the um, death penalty from 1881 because Colorado wasn't a state then when he supposedly ate those people. So you can't try him under the 1881 law, and because you didn't put a savings clause that goofed up the 1870 law, there's basically an 11-year chunk of time where there was no death penalty in Colorado or Colorado Territory. Mm-hmm. Packer comes over from Utah, 1873-1874, and supposedly eats and pounds the heads in and cannibalizes those five men during that chunk of time. This is ultimately why Packer wasn't hanged in Lake City. He was like hours away from being hung in Lake City. And when It's a pretty clever lawyer. Pretty clever lawyer. Yeah. His first his first motion of the trial in Lake City was to say the trial cuz we're talking 9 years later. So we're in the 1880s now. Yep. His first motion was you can't try Packer because Colorado wasn't a state in 1873. Sure. Mm-hmm. So Packer versus versus Colorado can't be a thing. <laughs> Judge throws that out. And he also throws in this thing that, that basically you can't try Packer because there was no death penalty on the books at that time. So he goes to the trial in Lake City, and it was like a huge like tabloid. Like People came from all around Gunnison to come to the trial, see the human hyena. And so there's a lot of lore around what happened at that trial. One of the most famous ones was when the judge supposedly claimed that uh, when he sentenced Packer to death, he said something like, there was only seven Democrats in Hinsdale County, and you son of a bitch, you ate three of them or ate four of them. <laughs> and so later on, like, there's a bunch of like Republican um, uh, groups that take Packer as, as like a name because he's like so – he's anti-Democrat. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's great. It's a bit extreme, but all right. So he's had literally like a day from being hung in Lake City. They had to build a gallows in Lake City just to hang out for Packer. And his lawyer jumps a stagecoach, rides a train to Denver, goes to the Colorado Supreme Court and says, hey, there's no law, you know, no death penalty on the books when Alfred Packer supposedly ate those five people. Uh, you can't you can't try him for the death penalty. So he, he gets a stay from the Supreme Court and he gets back in time to save Alfred Packer from being hung. They throw him in jail up in Gunnison and they retry him in Gunnison. Um, and then he was also eventually com- com- convicted for like four or five counts of manslaughter. So he's facing jail time. And he's get, he gets sent to Canyon City, which I think he's he was under the name Convict 13892460124601. So that's why we have the Cannibal Plateau, that area of, of Lake City. We have oh, the sure. Alfred Packer Memorial uh, Massacre Site, and then we have uh, Dead Man's Gulch all named after the uh, only person in Colorado, or I think the United States, to ever be convicted of cannibalism. 
How interesting. What's even better is some of the lore around Alfred Packers. Because you know the story. You, you said when he comes into Gunnison or Subwatch, you said, what's, what's the first thing he did? He oh, comes yeah, out of the mountains because he like, wasn't hungry, right? It was like he ordered a drink, and everyone was suspicious of why aren't comes you... Comes out of the mountains after yeah, winter, he's like, after, I'll have whiskey. Right, yeah. like <laughs> so, something to wash it all down with. And everyone was like, why aren't you hungry? <laughs> Curious. I think you can still find one piece of the one guy's skull in the museum in Lake City. Uh, they eventually found the five bodies. They were all lined up right beside each other. Deep one was missing a head, and there was clear signs that someone had extracted flesh from a number of the people's bodies. It's a good good place to go get some funny pictures. We got some great pictures. <laughs> and the massacre place. site right there? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good drive up Slumgullion Pass. It's really pretty. Great place to go if you have to get your skull bashed in. And get <laughs> it's a beautiful view. So Uncle Paul Gray and Wetterhorn. <laughs> it's really quite nice. So the makers of South Park, oh, yeah. Trey Parker and Matt Stone, did you watch any of this? Of Cannibal the Musical? Yeah. They made a movie, and it was published in 1993. So they were like 21, probably, 21, 22 on spring break. A lot of it was filmed in Lake City. A lot of it was filmed in Loveland. Some of it was Boulder. Some of it was filmed in Netherland. Um, some of it was in the Black Canyon uh, River by Gunnison. Oh, wow. And so they tell the story of uh, Alfred Packer and the five guys crossing from Utah. And... Uh, the Spadoinkle video. The Spadoinkle. So, <laughs> listen to the commentary. So he started writing that song. And it's a pretty catchy song, you know. It is. Sky <laughs> is blue and all the leaves are green. <laughs> he wrote those lyrics but didn't know what word he was going to use. And I say, it's a Spadoinkle oh, day. Nice. He just put Spadoinkle in there because he was waiting to figure out what word to put in. And so as he was recording the song, he was like, oh, I'll go back and put, like, fantastic or wonderful or whatever and he just put spadoinko as a placeholder <laughs> oh, that's and then funny. it caught on and then throughout the whole movie they kept on saying spadoinko he wrote 10 songs for that 10 really catchy songs he his inspiration was he was dumped by a girl named leanne leanne ran like cheated on him he was he was engaged to his fiance leanne cheated on him with a, some uh, other guy and so he writes this whole song a whole songs in this musical because the most of the storyline is about him trying to find his horse and his horse is named leanne <laughs> who who leaves with the, these other uh, three trappers who are like the enemies How and so funny. it's like miners versus trappers and the trap you know miners are hitting on his like horse basically and he's trying he's not trying to find get to breckenridge and leave the people over to breckenridge he's trying to find his leanne oh that's funny Really interesting. Really, really funny. You listen to some of the commentary where they just get drunk, drinking scotch, and they talk. They watch the movie, and they talk about it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but his version of history deviates a little bit from the actual Packer legend. Um, his uh, Cannibal the Musical is basically a demented Oklahoma. He deviates from the legend of Alfred Packer, and when he says that uh, the first person to die in that the, the six-man party coming across from Utah to Breckenridge is that Bell kills Israel Swan because he can't stomach another version of Let's Build a Snowman, which is one of the ten um, show tune songs during Cannibal the Musical, um, the movie, where Israel Swan, to boost morale, builds a bunch of snowmen and sings a song when they're stuck in the mountains and, and, and dying of starvation and freezing to death. And so he gets shot in the head because they can't stomach another version of Let's Build a Snowman. His version ends up with uh, Polly Pry, who was like a journalist from Denver, basically helped get Packer uh, exonerated, oh, not exonerated, but freed from jail after 18 years. He was released after 18 years in Canyon City, and he actually died up near uh, Littleton. You can go to his grave here in, in Littleton, Colorado. That's interesting, huh? And that's your lure of Alfred Packer. The University of Colorado Boulder 
has their cafeteria grill named the Alfred G. Packer Memorial Grill with the slogan, have a friend for lunch. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's, funny. <laughs> That's good. Mm. At least we can make light of it now and talk about it. Or the uh, the cannibal uh, cannibal girl cannibal bar and like cannibal girls and yeah it's like great. a it's an Alfred Packer Packer bar. Oh yes, it is. So it has That's the uh, Green Bay Packer. It's Alfred Packer cartoon with Green Bay Packer. Football fly. Yeah, football. He's got a football uniform. Oh, and nice. It's Alfred Packer. What a wild story. These mountains are so full of history like that. It's so it's so crazy. In a way, I know this is going to sound really silly and not quite a parallel, but sort of a parallel. You know, is when it about Norway? It's not about Norway. <laughs> okay. uh, when you're climbing uh, Red Cloud and you you do sun, sunshine, and they always said, you know, don't drop down that gulch because it's just going to take that much longer. You know, it may look shorter, it may look like it's an easier path, but it's going to be a lot of bushwhacking and it's steep and it's a little bit more treacherous, so it's just going to take probably the same amount of time, even though it looks way shorter. If only Alfred Packer, he showed up like an hour before the other 21 people at, you know, in Lake City. It's kind of crazy to think that if he had just waited with the other five and gone later when Chief Ure told him to, he wouldn't have been in that predicament in the first place. And he arrived like hours before is all he saved. Yeah. You know? Anyways, looping it back to Red Yeah, Yeah, that's funny. But look at all the history Colorado would miss. You're right. If he didn't say, ah, screw you, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. We we would have missed out a lot if he was he was too fresh well, short much, of a Happy Meal. Yeah. Extra lore would there be if there was the hanging site of Alfred Packer there as well. If the sure. Colorado legislature of 1881 added a savings clause, right. he would have been hung in Lake City. You could probably see the, the site of Alfred Packer's hanging. End on that. <laughs> <laughs> so the the classic uh, wrap up question: Do we still do these? The three, yeah. the three words. Three words to describe Red Cloud. I would say colorful. It really is colorful. All the all the Mars rocks. Um, colorful, easy, and yep. scenic. That's good. I think the views from Red Cloud are incredible. And it's very much worth doing. And it's good that it's easy because you can look at the views while you're walking. It's still 14er. Yeah, They're all it, hard. You could but... do it in trail runners. It's, yeah, oh, class right. one tra- trail all the way to summit. But it's not. I mean, no 14ers are easy. Like, it's long. Right. And... 8.6 8. 8. miles, so not. Yeah. Round trip. Yeah. That's not too shabby. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. great. So those would be my words. I just felt like the top of that, like that ridge was like Mars. I just want to use the word Mars. Like it's just cool, rugged red rock. Um, did you say colorful? Yep, That's but you can word. say that too. I would say like views, like even though you said scenic, like the views from the top, it's not about the mountain itself. Like the rock is cool. The geology is cool, but just what you can see is just spectacular. And then I would say history, like the history in that area is super cool. Yeah. Um, and it just gives you a reason to get out and explore a really neat part of Colorado. So that mountain is about so much more than just the mountain itself for me. I'll take history too, or legendary. I like the like the lore of Alfred Packer. I like the lore of Lake City. I like the mountain passes. I like even the the geology ge- geology of Slumgullion Pass and learning about the earth flow and how Lake St. Cristobal was formed. Um, so I'll take maybe um, just something 
what's the word romantic like romantic about it? not romantic but charming like old style romantic and then there's like some tradition tradition it's cozy and kind of like a dead end so it's not like you're on i-70 it's like you have to make a conscious effort to get to lake city and you're kind of in the mountains yeah. you're like yeah. nowhere else to go and you're kind of just you have to eat where whatever's opened and it just i don't know cozy legendary and easy all right that's all we got for you guys remember as always everything we say is our opinions you got to be responsible for your own decisions in the mountains. Um, remember, we've said this is easy, but really no 14 is easy. Um, have a blast with it. Uh, listen to Chief Ure and don't eat your friends. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. Toodles. Toodles. <laughs>